You know, hope has a name. Hope has a name. That name is Jesus. It's the reason that we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. It's the reason why we celebrate Easter. This idea that hope has a name. One of my favorite, one of my life scriptures, the writer of Hebrews said this, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. What is that anchor that he's talking about? It's God's vows and his promises. In Matthew 28, tells us that two of Jesus' followers, two of the, the women who are Jesus' followers, they're making their way to the tomb. And they're believing that they're going to go and, and they're going to anoint the body. And when they get there, they're met with this angel. And the angel says, do not be afraid. This Jesus that you're looking for, he's not here. He's, he's risen just as he said. It, it, is a, it is a defining moment. It's a life changer. You know, we, we've, we hear this say, said regularly in this season that we're in, in this season of COVID-19. We hear this said regularly that the world has changed. It's different. That, that we will never be the same. And I don't know how true that is. I don't know if once we find ourselves out of this socially, social distancing, if we'll continue to be socially distant, can't say that I'll never shake somebody's hand again. Can't say that we won't have people hugging in church when all this is over. But no doubt there are some things that have changed. No doubt there are some aspects of the life that we're engaged in that are different. It's my hope that what Calvary has done this morning, that it's served as a defining moment. I know it's a defining moment for some of the volunteers that were here today that were helping distribute over 3,000 uh, to 3,000 3, cars, over 12,000 bags of food. I, I know that, that that changes a person. I know for, for those who will come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, for the first time during this Easter season, I, I know that that's a defining moment. For those of you that are finding your way back to the cross and not just the cross, but finding your way back to the empty tomb and the resurrected one, that it's a defining moment. I, I love what First Peter says. It says, in, in, in his great mercy, in God's great mercy, in the, great, in the mercy that Jesus demonstrates, right? God demonstrated his love for us and while we were, we were yet sinners. Peter says this, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's, it's a hope that doesn't disappoint. It's a, it's a real hope. And so we choose to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what is oftentimes referred to as Easter. We choose to celebrate Easter because it is one of those defining moments. It is one of those game changers. It changes everything. Really, everything about Jesus' ministry had that defining moment to it, every, every interaction. Jesus talking to the woman at the well, it was a defining moment. His bringing, bringing sight back to Bartimaeus, it was a defining moment. The woman with the issue of blood healed, it was a defining moment. A young man who was stricken with demonic possession that is absolutely indescribable, 
So much so that he runs around naked in the graveyards. And he has this encounter with Jesus. And it's a defining moment. It happens over and over and over again. For so many of you, it's your story. It's, it's my story. As a 15-year-old, when I came to truly know Jesus, it was a defining moment. A game changer. And we, and we see this throughout Jesus' ministry. In fact, what I want to do this morning on this Easter Sunday morning, I actually want to, I want to go not to the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. I want to go back closer to the beginning. Jesus preaches this message that's powerful, the Sermon on the Mount. And seeing the multitudes, he sits down and begins, begins to teach them. And he says this, blessed are they, blessed are they. Now I have no doubt that when Jesus began and said, blessed are they, that the crowds that were there, they kind of leaned in a little bit, right? If I'm going to tell you the, the secret to success in life, if I'm going to tell you the key to ongoing happiness, if I'm going to tell you how to be fruitful in life, if I'm going to give you the, the ingredients necessary for, for you to have everything that you ever imagined, you're going to lean into that. I'm going to lean into that. And in this moment where, where, where Jesus is surrounded by the throngs that have come to hear this, this teacher who's growing in popularity and growing in notoriety speak, he says, blessed are they. Blessed are they. And in that moment, he gives a message that changes everything. It changes the way that we look at so many things in life. It changes the way that we look at ourselves. He starts by saying this, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor. That doesn't make any sense. In the natural, it, it makes absolutely no sense. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, he says. Blessed are those who have a true understanding of their disposition. This term that Jesus used when he says, blessed are the poor. In, in, in this language, in the, original, in the original Greek, there are two words that you can use for poor. And, and one means that you can just get by to be beggarly poor. You know, you've got just enough. Then there's another word that, that is much more extreme. And it means to be destitute poor. If someone doesn't engage, you are without hope. And Jesus uses that term in this moment. He says, blessed are they who have an understanding that they don't have the ability to do it on their own. You know, when I, uh, when I first came out of college, I was working for uh, uh, this computer company. And one of my bosses had this sign on the, on, on the wall of his, of his office. And it said this, he who dies with the most toys wins. Jesus changes the way that we look at things. It changes the way that we look at ourselves. It changes the way that we describe success. It also, it, it changes the way that I look at, that even my failures. It says this, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, when I realize that in and of myself I have nothing, and yet 
I also recognize all that God promises. I have hope. That's the reason why Jesus can say, blessed are the poor in spirit. It'll it'll change the way that I look at myself. I know that I don't have to do it on my own. And I also know this, I know that I, I don't live a life of futility. It was Thoreau, I believe, that said, all men lead lives of quiet desperation. You know, that might have been true for Thoreau. But can I tell you, it's not true for me. And it doesn't have to be true for you. We don't have to live lives of quiet desperation. We can live lives of purpose, lives of focus, lives of destiny. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it it changes the way that we look at ourselves. And not just the way that we look at ourselves, it changes the way that we look at God. It's the reason why Jesus goes on to say this. He doesn't say, just say, blessed are the poor. He says, blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that cry out and say, my God, my God. Over and over again, we see this throughout Jesus' earthly ministry where they cry out. My favorite is Bartimaeus when he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus recognized that, he, that he, he could not do it on his own, but he also recognized that there's something in the promises of God. There's something in the plan of God. And there's something to be found in the Son of God. And, and when, those, when those women visited the tomb and the angel spoke to them and said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Jesus, the one who is crucified, he's not here. He's risen. Just as he said. Oh, no doubt these women loved Jesus. No doubt he was dear to them. No doubt they looked at him as as a powerful teacher. No, No doubt they even thought, perhaps, maybe, He is the one that we have hoped for, the one that our people have talked about for generation upon generation upon generation. Is it possible that he indeed is the Messiah? And yet, the crucifixion had to cause them to step back. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. But they also saw him go into the tomb. Yes, he said he would rise again, but... That sure seems pretty far-fetched. And yet, on that resurrection day, that day that we celebrate today, Resurrection Sunday, he is risen just as he said. See, it changes the way that we look at, at God. And that's the reason why Jesus, even at the beginning of his earthly ministry, he would say this, blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that cry out to God, understanding their need. Blessed are those who cry out to God, for they will be comforted. Oftentimes, when we look at this portion of scripture, it's called the Beatitudes. And oftentimes when we look at this, what we'll do is we'll focus on the blessed are they that mourn part. And we won't talk so much on the fact that Jesus promises for all of our sorrow, for all of the stuff that we bring to God, that there's comfort. They will be, you will be, I will be comforted. 
And so we can be confident in this. Yes, in this world we will have trouble. We're not exempt from it. And, and, and honestly, in times like we find ourselves in today, I know this, I know that there are some who will actually even use what's going on around the world today to say, if God exists, why is this happening? Why do bad things happen to good people? Friends, that's the question that has been asked since the ages. And God's word makes it very clear to us because we live in an imperfect world and because mankind has been given free will, it, it has an effect on all of creation. And yet, God wonderfully, while not compromising your free choice, God wonderfully weaves all things together for our good. And if we simply reach out to him, blessed are they that mourn for they shall be, they will be comforted. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it changes the way that we look at ourselves. It changes the way that we look at God. It also changes the way that we look at life and, and the, way that we, the way that we define success. Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter five, he says, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. It's so easy when we read this to, to step into a, an inaccurate definition of what meek means. This morning, I wanna, I wanna encourage you with this, that meekness has nothing to do with weakness. Even though they sound similar, oh, they're very different. See, meekness is not weakness on any level. In fact, in order to demonstrate meekness, you have to have strength. Let me say that again. In order to demonstrate meekness, you have to have power. Because what meekness is, is meekness is power under control. See, a weak person can't do anything. A meek person, on the other hand, can do something but chooses instead to yield that strength and to yield it to someone else. It's actually a term that comes from using a, having a horse, right? So this horse, this powerful being, as the, as, the, as the rider of the horse will pull the bridle one way or pull the bridle the other, this horse that is, that is so powerful that it will respond right? It will respond to the rider. It's where we get this term meek. It's power under control. And when Jesus says that the meek will inherit the earth, he's, he's speaking an incredibly counter-cultural truth to the people that are sitting on the, the hillside in the, in the middle of the village that's surrounding the Sea of Galilee. It, it, it is so counter-culture. In, 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 in this time period, this was a world that, that didn't understand meekness. It didn't, it didn't understand weakness. This was a world that understood power. This was a world that was, that was ruled and even overruled by, by Caesar's hand. It was a world where armies made people in rebellion subject to their sheer force. It was a world that had turned the tables of power. And yet Jesus says this to this group of people, that it is not those who try to exert their will by force that ultimately will see destiny fulfilled. It's not the people that are determined to push their own agenda. It is those who say, God, I recognize that you have given me free choice, 
I recognize that you have given me free will, but God, all that I am and all that I have, my time, my talents, my treasuries, my dreams, all that I have and all that I hope to be, I yield to you. And when we yield it to God, something really wonderful happens. Well, Jesus talks about it a little bit later when he says this, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when you do that, all these things will be added unto you. It's one thing for Jesus to talk about this on the Galilean hillside. It's another thing to know that these are the words that are spoken of a resurrected savior. Blessed are they who recognize that they can't do it on their own. Blessed are they who reach out to a loving God and say, God, I yield all that I have to you. See, the resurrection, it changes the way that we look at ourselves. It changes the way that we look at God. It changes the way that we look at success in life. It changes the way that we relate to others. He goes on here in Matthew chapter 5. He says this in verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. We're encouraged to bless those who curse us. To assist those who want to take from us. Knowing that God will always be our protector and be our source. Be our comfort our guide, and even our boast. So when we have an understanding of what Jesus did when he conquered death, hell, and the grave, it will change the way that we look at ourselves. It will change the way that we look at God. It will change the way that we look at success, and it will change the way that we look at others. Recognize, even, even as Jesus looked at those who would nail him to the cross, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. You know, the resurrection of Jesus, it changes everything. It changes the way that we look at ourselves. It changes the way that we look at God. It changes how we define success. It changes the way that we relate to others. It even changes the way that we view challenge. Here's what he says in, in verse number 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who face difficulty. Blessed are those who face challenge. Blessed are those whose life is an uphill climb. For great, I love that. Oh, I love that. For great is their reward. Great is your reward in heaven. And yes, friend, in this world, you will have trouble. David, centuries earlier, said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. How is it that he could write that? Because we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus told his disciples in the upper room on the night that he was betrayed, on the night that he was arrested in the garden, just prior to that, he told them that they will face difficulty. He told them that many of them would even have to give their very lives. And we, and we know that. We, we, we see that in recorded history. That yes, life presents challenge. This morning, some of you are, are dealing with a furlough notice. 
Others, you've, you've, you've tested positive for this virus that has so many questions and not very many answers. Others, you're, you're wondering how this is going to affect your, your retirement that you saved a long time to where you could be at this point. And now, with the, with the, the questioning of the economy, it, it gives you pause. In, in moments like these, in moments like these, the resurrection becomes all the more important. And my, my hope is this, is that today for you, the resurrection becomes all the more real. Make no mistake, Jesus appeared to Mary. Jesus appeared to the disciples. Jesus appeared to over 500 people before he ascended into heaven. The, the historical fact is this, that our Savior was indeed crucified on a cross. He was absolutely laid in a borrowed tomb. But that tomb that he borrowed, he did not use it for very long. Because on the third day, on the third day, the angel told Mary first. God allows all of us to know that we don't have to be afraid. This Jesus that was crucified, he's not here. He is risen, just as he said. And if he keeps the promise of rising on the third day, then you can be confident of this, that he will keep the promise that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. He will keep the promise that my God shall supply all of your needs. He'll keep the promise that I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. He'll keep the promise that by my stripes you're made whole. He'll keep the promise, ask me anything. Ask of anything in my name and it shall be done for you. Because he keeps his word. He keeps his word. We do indeed have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. This morning, for some of you watching, this is a defining moment for you. It's a defining moment because you are coming to the realization, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, that Jesus is indeed who he claims to be. That he is the savior of all mankind and he wants to be your savior. In fact, you sense him kind of tugging at your heart, saying, won't you surrender? Won't you allow yourself today to change the way that you see yourself and to change the way that you see God? To change how you see life and define success to change the way that you see the people around you. And even the way that you see challenge and hardship. Because God wants you to be able to see life from a different perspective. He wants you to see it through his vows and his promises. See, he offers to you this hope as an anchor for your soul, firm and secure. 
And so right now, God's saying, won't you, won't you accept my love? Won't you accept the gift that I paid, the price that I paid for the imperfections, what's often referred to as sin, and place your life in my hands with my promises. The resurrection changes everything. And God wants to change your everything in this moment. And it's as simple as saying, God, I acknowledge you as the God, perfect in all your ways. And I acknowledge my imperfection. And I want to give my imperfect life into the hands of a perfect God. Because I see myself differently today, God. And I see you differently. And I define success differently today, oh God. Relationships are starting to look different to me. And and even the challenges of life are looking different to me. When I, when I, look, at, when I look at all of these things through the lens of the resurrection, I see them in a very different fashion. So God, I surrender to you today. You see, that's, that's why, regardless of what's happening in the world around us, no matter what victory we're experiencing or what challenge we're going through. That's why Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday is so incredibly special. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is an absolute game changer. Won't you let it be that game changer in your life? I want to pray for you this morning. God, as we gather together in this virtual church environment. We first, we pause to worship you. And God, we thank you today that our identity is in you. Yes, we recognize that without you, we are nothing. But as we cry out to you, you comfort us. You give us peace and promise. So God, let let today be the day that we fully step into the destiny that you have for us. Surrender to all that you've called us to do and to be. And God, I pray, God, that that for each and every one of us, that this day, that Easter 2020 will be an absolute game changer. That our life from this point forward will be different. Thank you for an empty tomb. Thank you for the reality of the resurrection.
Thank you that in your great mercy you have given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We commit ourselves wholly to you. In the name of your son Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.